0: So we're into the second chapter of the Dhammapada, which is a 26 chapter book in the section of the Pali Canon called the Kudaka Nikaya. Um, the Yamaka Vagga, the first chapter, talked about the importance of uh, the the quality of mind that we develop, and that the quality of mind precedes all mental states, which means that uh, the the quality of mind would be. A, a quality could be agitated or distracted, uh, or another quality could be calm and at peace. And so it is that last that we develop through the Buddhist Dhamma, is a mind that rests in everlasting calm, no matter what's occurring. And so that quality of mind that precedes all mental states then feeds the the, the proceeding mental states from that one, from that foundation of calm. And so that every mental state that now flows from that calm mind will will be... A also a common peaceful quality of mind. That, that section also states that the quality of mind defines all phenomena. So that doesn't mean that the quality of mind creates phenomena, despite what the uh, uh, what the the self visualization, self actualization market might say that we can we can actually create things with our own minds. Uh, the Buddha realized it, and that was a common saying during the Buddhist thing, Really, which really boils down to this human belief that whatever you hold in mind, you can manifest, and especially whatever you can convince other people to, to hold into their minds is even more uh, valuable in bringing what we want in the world. And of course, we, we see the incredible tension and hatred that that develops in people, resulting from that initial tension. Um, so this chapter, the Pamadavaga. Uh, describes describes that that quality of mind is developed through something that it, it's useful to use this term today called refined mindfulness. I applied that term refined to 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 define that the Buddha's development of mindfulness is very specific and it's focused on being mindful of the Eightfold Path or it, it, as the <coughs> Buddha would often refer to the Eightfold Path as the heartwood of the Buddhist Dhamma. We developed the Eightfold Path. So holding in mind other things that might even be um, seen as wholesome or altruistic, such as, uh, my, my lifelong mantra is the ending of poverty. That sounds great. But if your lifelong mantra is the, is the ending of poverty, the only thing you'll see in your life is poverty, and you won't recognize all the abundance of life. And I'm getting off the, off the point slightly, but to bring it back to refined mindfulness, we take our mindfulness and all the energy we put into our mindfulness and put it in one direction towards the heart with the Dhamma. And this chapter talks to the importance. So we learn that the quality of mind precedes all mental states and defines the phenomenon. meaning it will define the experience of our life. It won't create that life, but it will define it. And then we can, we can actually establish that in a moment-by-moment way, that quality of mind, through refined mindfulness, the Apamadavaga, the second chapter of the Dhammapada. Right off the bat, again, how the, the Buddha... Oftentimes in suttas and even these things, these really can't be called suttas, they're, they're just chapters in a book, but the Buddha establishes or in this case the writers of the Dhammapada immediately, what's the point? Mindfulness is the path to cessation. We need a little bit of background to understand what that means. So uh, many people would take that as saying, well, mindfulness is the path to cessation of my life, meaning annihilation, which is what feeds to this belief of emptiness and nothingness as the goal of Buddhism. It's not what the Buddha taught. Mindfulness is the path to cessation of ignorance. That's the key theme of, of the Buddhist Dhamma, ignorance of Four Noble Truths. So we have to understand a little bit of the background before we can really understand these chapters clearly. Mindfulness is the path to cessation. Those mindful, again in that way, those mindful do not suffer. I that was Brian coming back. Brian, just give Brian a, a moment to come back. Hey, Brian, you're back. Yeah, there's was a bright
1: light. I thought I transcended or something. And <laughs> <bunged
2: him. laughs>
0: you did.
3: I was a wonderful time. <laughs> uh, <coughs> 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 Excuse
0: me. Uh, let me start over, but I won't, I'll just start over. Mindfulness is the path to cessation. Those mindful do not suffer. Those mindful have gone beyond suffering. Clearly knowing the excellence of mindfulness, refined mindfulness, the wise exulting in that refined mindfulness and the refuge. I mean, you got to read that with a different emphasis. Clearly knowing the excellence of refined mindfulness, the wise <coughs> exulting in mindfulness and the refuge of, of the noble ones. The wise ones, established in jhana, steadfast in the heartwood, the Eightfold Path, they alone are released. Listen to that again. The wise ones, established in jhana, steadfast in the heartwood, they alone are released. So that's kind of telling us, do we want to be released? Establish ourselves in jhana. They alone are released. Freedom beyond compare. Glorious are those. <clears throat> glorious are those energetic, pure, discerning, rightly restrained, and always mindful mindful of right effort, a disciple of the heartwood, the wise are an island unto themselves that no flood can overwhelm. That's true freedom. Notice this, the, the, the paragraph before, talk to freedom, that's how it's established, and it's the only way it's established. And when you think about that, you can, I can listen to someone talking about an impassioned plea about what's going on today. And she says, if we don't own our bodies, there's no freedom. And that person is right. If we don't, and I'm not talking in, a, in, a, in the political sense today, that's another, that's another subject that shouldn't be brought into this room anymore. If we own our bodies, the only way we can own our bodies is to own our minds. And that's, that is such a good example, maybe I should use it, but I won't. If we don't own our minds, then we are, we are um, we're going to be thrown to the wind by every new ideology that happens in the world, always. And then we'll grasp onto it because we're we're rooted in something called self-loathing and a lack of understanding. So anything that that our mind's attached to will will then be the object of our discontent, even if it's some somehow altruistic thought, because it's rooted in an ideology and not in a mind united in its body. So no matter how altruistic, no matter how wonderful a thought might be, if it's an external-based thought, meaning... I need to be this way so I achieve something. Even if it's something as grand as world peace, it's an ideology and it will cause stress and suffering for yourself and others. A mind united in its body is a mind that is calm and at peace and can do no harm in the world. And it's the only way we're ever going to do it. But that's not to say we will. This is not a salvific religion. This is ultimately about individual freedom. The Buddha's Dhamma is about individual freedom. When the Buddha talks about his own awakening, he talks about his life prior to his awakening as that confining place. And remember, the Buddha lived as one of the most wealthiest, comfortable people of his time. And that was a confining place. That was his prison. Being attached to that.
1: John, doesn't it also point to this isn't a religion and don't make him this idol? Because at the end of his life, he... Told everyone, be on to your own island because I've given everything I can give. Yes. So this is truly, as Tim often says, introspective, but you still have the Dhamma. Yeah. Don't get idol worshipping because he knew when he was passing this was exactly what was going to happen.
0: Yeah. And, and, and he also developed that through his own understanding. By believing it was an external thing, he didn't get anywhere until he realized, and the Nagara Sutta explains that, that this was about establishing in your own mind. Not in the world. Nobody, can, nobody in the world, no law can give us liberty and freedom. You know, We've been trying to do that just in this country for 270 years and we failed. It's in our own minds that we establish liberty and freedom. No matter what's occurring in the world, and there's always there's a story that Nelson Mandela is a great one about the things that he learned while he was in prison, because he was isolated. And he, he he didn't he didn't take that personally. This is a, when I read about that man. It's just stunning how all the things that that were thrown at him he never took one thing personal. At least it doesn't seem that way biographies and autobiographies are all, all little massades of truth, but the, the man was remarkable in that way. And we can develop that same type of dispassion for self-establishment and create a true, skillful passion for the ending of selfishness in this world, to unite a mind in its body, to live in peace. As this, as this states, I'm going to say it again, a disciple of the mind, mindful of right effort, a disciple of heartwood the wise are an island unto themselves that no flood can overwhelm. Boy, talk about a timely sentence, huh? (laughs) The foolish and ignorant crave mindlessness. Why does the foolish and the ignorant crave mindlessness? Anybody, somebody answer. Online. Because it allows them to maintain that that quality of mind. That mind has to be distracted and constantly distracted to maintain itself. And so we create these elaborate systems including and I would say enrobed by ideology that allows us not to change. That allows us to not face the distraction of our own corrupt quality of mind, corrupt meaning fabricated. The Buddhist Dhamma speaks directly to that level of fabrication or corruption. It says it's in your mind, it's not in the world. If you think the world is a troubling place, it's because we have conflict in our minds. That's just playing out in the world. Refrain from mindlessness <clears throat> because of just that. Because if we're mindless, we are going to suffer. And if we are suffering, if individuals, people in this world are suffering, and they are, then everybody else in the world is suffering. You hear me say it often. The most loving thing I can do for myself and all the sentient things is to take to the Dharma and awaken, because that's the only way I know that I'm at least I'm not contributing to the suffering in the world because I'm not contributing to my own suffering. Refrain from mindlessness. Refrain from sensual pleasures. Only those established in jhana and refined mindfulness attain lasting calm. The wise, looking down from the mountaintop of wisdom, having abandoned mindlessness, established in refined mindfulness, this peaceful sage observes the foolish, and the suffering multitude. That's the closing line. What a powerful line, too. To some people, that would sound heartless. Look at the, this passion at the. We know that that the Siddhartha Gautam was probably the most compassionate human being that ever lived, married with his profound wisdom. And then hear that again. This peaceful sage observes the foolish and the suffering multitude. He's not condemning the, the suffering multitude, is he? He simply says, in a dispassionate way, I can now observe what's occurring in the world. That's liberty, isn't it? Think about it. Think about all that we might think that liberty is. What is it? It's living in a world without being entangled in it. By being, by being able to observe those that, in relation to the Dhamma, not that, that human beings are foolish. In relation to the Dhamma, of course they are. And I would be foolish that I know better now to disregard my own understanding. I, got, I, didn't, I didn't quite finish it though. Mindful among the mindless, awake among those so asleep, the wise advance like a swift horse. By mindfulness is one exalted. Mindfulness is always praised by the wise, mind, mindlessness always despised. The Dhamma practitioner who delights in mind, mindfulness and is fearful of mindlessness advanced like a fire burning away all the fetters. The Dhamma practitioner who delights in mindless, mindfulness and is fearful of mindlessness will, will not lose their way. They are close to release. Thank you. So, I think you see, as some of us already know, this Dhammapada <laughs> is so powerful, especially when you have a little bit of background and understand where we're going with this. Uh, I'm going to go around the room first. I try to keep it... I different from each class that, that, that we go so uh, i think we went around the uh virtual room last time so we'll start here adam how are you
3: i'm very well thank you <clears throat> thanks for that john my pleasure um what i'm taking away from this is uh think a little bit about about the nature of mindlessness and uh kind of what that means and the, the potholes that it represents um, so yeah that's a you know you, you spend so much time thinking about what mindfulness is, um, and what the foundation of that is, that you know, the, the nature of mindlessness is something that's also worth contemplating and understanding yeah. you know, when you're bumping up into it, and, uh, or about to fall into it, as if it's a, you know, a trip hazard or a pothole in your road. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you.
0: Yeah, it is. Thank you. I mean, that's the right way to... It, it just causes trouble for me when I think this way. Meaning think rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Hello, Becky.
4: Good morning. <clears throat> nice to be here. Um, enjoyed that that reading. It's sort of nice to just it's it's different from a Suda yeah. and it's a little refreshing I like that. <clears throat> um um we're not, we're, thinking of mindfulness whenever i whenever i come to class i'm always where i am and the Dhamma's is meeting me there and that's the best way that i can relate but i think of mindfulness as in in your daily life as coming back to the present yeah and when i find myself using it more and more especially when when I'm in that uh, uncertainty hole, which is so easy to get into these days, because there's so much happening, and you know, with the latest weather catastrophe, it came very close. And then you start, you start what ifing, you know, what if, you know, blah blah. And um, with COVID, I feel like my my life is <clears throat> not in its normal routine like for all of us and what if it never comes back to normal what if okay. and then when I, when I, I do that I just, I just stop take a breath and I look at what's around me and it's like none of this is here none of this is happening right now so remember that and be aware of where you are now what you're doing now what today is bringing. And stop right there.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Listen to those words. Stop right there. We don't have to keep it going, do we? Becky's learned that. At any point, we can stop the game and establish our liberty in this moment, no matter what's occurring in the world. Well said. Hello, Tim.
5: Hi. Hello, everybody. As you know, I've been reading uh, multiple translations of the Dhammapada chapter by chapter Mm -hmm. Um, and it's interesting that obviously the majority of the translations use heedlessness and heedless Mm -hmm. um, in lieu of mindfulness um, which to me makes it more actionable right, it's more of a and again it's probably because of the context of how the Dhammapada is used or was used so They're telling people, saying to people, almost warning them to take action by being aware of their state of mind. Okay. Um, And the other thing I thought was interesting, um, and I I think I know the reason why, and I'll see if you agree, you did not use these terms. Many of the translations also talk about Indra. Okay, because they're probably talking, which is a Hindu goddess, about how... And, and so probably you can imagine if they were talking to a group of Christians, they would use the the Dhamma practitioner. Well, I'm be... sorry I didn't interview who's they who they well, would... the Dhamma practitioner who was who was maybe talking to a group of people about this particular chapter okay. would would you would say Jesus or mm-hmm. Muslims would use Muhammad. So they're just using it as an example of some to, to relate to people as to when you become mindful this is what happens. You you oh, yeah. That, yes. Um, so I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. I think that's also misunderstood a lot when people read this. Yeah. Um, the one thing too so which uh, is why I don't
0: include it. Well no I like,
5: think it's it, it, if anybody really reads it, it's they're not they're saying that anybody can attain even people who are because again, when they were preaching to people they were people who were religious right? When they were talking, yeah, yeah, I, yes, I, I understand what you're saying, you see what but, I mean, like, but yeah,
0: and yes. So, so there's I, I don't, I don't <coughs> believe that the, that the Buddha got into into explaining what other religions were no, about, and using no. those religions as metaphor to teach something that has nothing to do with it. That's why I left it out. Right. I understand that other people include other things in their translations. The reason why I cut it out is it doesn't relate to what the yeah, Buddha. Yeah, it's not necessary to put yes. in there no. in our context. It's yes. not necessary. Yes. but when it
5: translations, it. it I understood what I understood what, what the point was was to just to to give you an example, um, and then I like the the fact of the understanding the, the factors of the April path um, uh, that that mindfulness that mindful state when when I look it through introspectively of what has been happening when when I am attached to impermanent objects. I am no longer mindful. I am mindless. Okay? Yeah. Okay. And mindfulness can only be practiced in the present. And when it's not in the present, you're no lo- i am no longer mindful. <laughs> and you're <laughs> no longer heedful either. Or heedful. Yeah. I mean, I, I still have to like you know, he's a weird word, but, it, you know, it could just be vernacular in our time
0: frame. It is. That's why it's not used. You know? <laughs> because it leads to this. Leads why to would I put this in, and every time somebody talks to me, why do you use such, a, such an obscure word? Well, I don't. Right. So, so there it is. It so, avoids this distraction.
5: But so I, I, I agree with that. So, But um, to, to, to my, the point, I was almost got off, off track here. So to be mindful in the present moment, uh, you know, this, this chapter uses all those metaphors about the, 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 the island with the flood around you, the mountaintop, that's that liberation that, that I can achieve yeah. by remaining present. And one last thing, for me, the most important thing as I'm practicing and, and developing the Dhamma is taking an observational role with my experience. And I think yeah. when I do that, even though I'm re- I react through the observational <laughs> role, I can non-judgmentally put the brakes on what's going on and, and, and hit, hit the reset button. Yeah. And this chapter, I think, really, this particular chapter really kind of drives that home, trying to, is trying to get back to that state of mindfulness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's always bringing us back to again. That's why I added the word refined, So it, so it's defined. It brings us back to that refined mindfulness. That's established in the heartwood. It's not some vague, amorphous, you know, thing. How most of what you know. And uh, the, I understand why people tr- use those things in translations because they don't understand it. So you fill it up with stuff that that you think people are going to buy. The, the common vernacular of the time.
3: And right.
0: religion has always been a, been. Presented in a, in a, in an unknowing way because, I mean I you know it's a it's a harsh judgment I guess, but it's presented in an unknowing way because there's nothing to know, so you know we, I mean, Jeff, we you can create all you, kinds <laughs> of fables about it that if, if that are were, just a distraction.
5: If you were if you were talking to a group of devout reborn Christians, I've you, done it in this room. You could you could you know what the you just
0: you would use Jesus no as I an wouldn't. example. No, well, you could. I know I could, but I wouldn't because it doesn't relate. We had, there was a, something, I'm trying to argue with you, just to make the point. You say that I would, but I wouldn't, and it happens in here. There was a, a person here who was talking about they have a very strong belief in Jesus, and I said, that's fine, you can continue with that belief in Jesus. I said, but at some point, you're going to have to reconcile it with something that doesn't believe in that. So I didn't use the, the, the metaphor of the loaves and the fishes yeah. to, teach, to teach the Dhamma because it doesn't relate. So in, to my mind, it doesn't. It's not that it doesn't deserve a mention. It should not be mentioned in an authentic Dhamma class, or what I think is an authentic translation of the Dhammapada, because the Buddha never would have gone there, or it, any other teacher.
4: It, it's almost manipulative. It is. To, I, again, to that's to why I
0: don't do it. Yeah. So, again, I came up came up against this when I first started teaching. Remember, that was I was teaching meditation, not because I wanted to save the world but because I wanted to raise money for a specific charity for a woman that worked in the building next door there. So there was an incentive to get as many butts in the chairs to make that money. And and that was, the first two classes I taught, that was really my thinking. It wasn't to teach something that I knew was really rooted in the dollar until I realized no matter what I'm doing, even if the idea is I'm doing it for charity, so let me get a hundred people in here, that's wrong because I'm misleading that hundred people just to, get the five, just to squeeze five bucks out of them. But that's what's done all the time. Which is good. Like and that, the acceptance huh? is I'm, I'm giving this lie. Think of what's going on in the world today. Let me lie to people because in the end, I'll be giving them what they really need. Think of the arrogance. I mean, I'm, getting, I'm getting off again and getting on my high horse, but that's what I see today. <laughs> that I know what's good for you. Let me lie you into, into buying into that ideology. But that, that's the same thing that was taught in so-called spiritual classes during the Buddhist time, and it, it, it has no place in the Dhamma. So thank you for bringing it up, well, to me well, And that's the this, reason John. why. I would
5: just say this: I do not look at this through a passionate or personal way. I look at this purely through a trans through a translation yeah. standpoint. And I get I get I, I
0: develop Chanda skillful passion when I, when I and again it is that, that's why there's a word there. We should be passionate about one thing, and that's the Dharma. And, and so, you know, this is, this is, this is my passion. So, I'm sorry, Tim, I did cut, cut no, you off. No, no,
5: well, I, I don't, I, <clears throat> I, I'm sorry if I brought up any type of, uh, you know...
0: Passion. No, you, you brought up something that was important.
5: Well, right, but I just want to just clarify to you that I was just interested in the translation. I, wasn't, I was not giving it any type of, any type of legs,
0: uh, in no, terms I of, of, of importance. Yep, and it led to a point of clarity. That's right. why you, you you brought up the difference between all the other Dhammapada translations out there and right. mine. Right. And so, yeah, that's the reason why I do it. That's why it is different. That's why every sutta that I that I restore is different, because it cuts. What I think is, it cuts out all the nonsense that's put in by people needing to make a religion out of something that was never meant to be a religion. And Tim, point. I mean, they, that what Tim is pointing out is. The the prevalent presentation of what this this incredibly well focused man put out, it's been corrupted by fabrication by people wanting it to be different. And again, I the, most of the people in modern Buddhism would prefer these other translations than mine. I'm sure, but you know, I'm not writing to to sell books. I'm writing to teach the Dhamma. I hope. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Hello, Michael and Michael. I, again, I I got I went past it pretty quick, and I know you're uncomfortable, so excuse me, but it does need to be said. We owe you and people like you just an enormous set of gratitude today. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank,
3: Thank you, everyone. Uh, uh, actually, it is a difficult day. i sure. uh, I realize it's, you know, uh, if I can retrospectively go back in time uh, and apply what I know today to that, it was life as life occurred, you know? Mm. Uh, wow. And yes, there was a lot of, Difficulty throughout that whole time, and it's something that's part of my life, part of all our lives. But I, I had a, like more of a, an on hands experience uh, with it, so uh, I do deal with it. I lost a lot of good friends uh, friends who I had fought fires with and sat at the kitchen table and told long, silly stories with. So, uh, so I appreciate that, but uh, I actually am not attached to it. Uh, it was an experience that occurred, and uh, life goes on. Everything is permanent. So, with that, uh, I'll lead into this. Uh, this is a very interesting uh, conversation we're having here. Uh, I like Tim. You know, I like Tim's uh, approach. I like the you know hitting this from different angles and a different perspective for more understanding. So I appreciate that, Tim. Um, uh, my understanding of um, this lesson or basically leads me to uh, see this from the perspective of how, how, do we, how do we usher in refined mindfulness or the reason we can't f- usher in refined mindfulness or what makes it so difficult or why we still suffer is because we are so entangled and attached to each, every moment of our day. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when we have that sort of clutter in our minds, then there is, we we are holding in mind everything else but the Eightfold Path. That's right. So even like when we think throughout our day, like uh, and everyone has their, their own world within their... <laughs> within this uh, human form that, uh, that's uh, comprised of things that help us form our own identity, obviously, yep. which threaten our identity. So, uh, I look at it like this, or this is where I gain an understanding of it, uh, and that is from, like, it's just from, like, again, we went over the emptiness suttas, and to empty ourselves, what does it mean to empty yourself? Actually, for me, to empty myself was, is non-attachment in the present moment, mm-hmm. and experience life as life occurs. So, with non-attachment to any and all things that occur, then I find myself, I find that that creates a spaciousness, okay? We can call it emptying. Emptying. We talk about mm-hmm. the, the glass, the dirt. Uh, the emptying glass ourselves dirt. of ignorance. Exactly. Yeah. We're emptying our, our, our uh, ourselves from attaching to other self-referential endeavors. Okay. So, when we can recognize then that it's emptying for me precedes the eightfold path. I have to like let go and. Detach uh, and just experience. That's that's when I experience the eightfold path being coming, being held in mind, or being. It becomes refined mindfulness for me. So when I'm not, my mind is not cluttered. Then I have clarity, and what comes in that clarity is right view, and that's the way I. View what is being said here. Yeah,
0: wow, that, so, that was so well said, really. Thank you. And that was—that's that, the quality of your mind. It you exactly. finds what you're it comes The, the
3: quality of the mind. Yes, down down the mind.
6: Well <clears> said, Michael. <throat> thank, you. thank you. Hello, Julia. Good morning. Good morning, John. Good morning, everyone. Hi. Um, when I read this, I saw three things that stood out, and this is like brief. I can say this briefly. The first thing was, of course, being diligent with the practice of the Dharma, and of course that. The practice of the Dharma just is not just one one thing. It's it's of course my, meditation, c- coming to the sangha, hearing the Buddha's words. Yeah. And so those are the things that are important. That's part of the practice. Um, and the other, the other thing I saw that stood out to me was um, the treasure, and the treasure is being vigilant at the sixth sense base. You know, uh, controlling that. The flow of phenomena coming in, and not allowing it, mm-hmm. making ourselves be be an island, be a, not not attached to all these things that are, are all around us and ourselves also too, yeah. um, and so that was very very important. And then the other thing he mentioned was um, he said the word uncommon, and, and I thought, oh, what does he mean uncommon? And so he's saying that we we are un the people who are awakened or who practice the Dharma are <clears throat> uncommon because our minds are not as most common people with the flow of distractions flowing in and out. So um, he, uh, it sounded like he he was at that point saying that we needed to have, use wise uh, yeah. associations, you know, so release the attachments to to people who are not all you know practicing the Dharma as you, as you are and yeah. th- those type of attachments so he, he it, it was like three three things that I saw that stood out and those are the three things.
0: A great insight, as opposed mm-hmm. to what what is commonly being done. That's that's the reference, mm-hmm. as opposed to what those other folks are doing. Is what he's really saying. Exactly. Just exactly. because a lot of people are
6: doing it. With no arrogance, yeah. though. Right? Yeah, no arrogance. Saying, just understanding that. Yeah. With no, no arrogance. arrogance. That's, yeah. That's yes. important. Yeah. It? Exactly. It just, it, it, so what just is saying? That. he saying?
0: He's saying simply observe it in a dispassionate way, and you you too will see the words that you know translated. You'll see the foolishness of that way of living. That's,
6: that's yeah, all right. it is. And have compassion because yeah. I understand you were once <laughs> there too. Yeah, you know, and and still are yeah. because we're still practicing. It's not like we're awakened. Yeah. We yeah, it wasn't. You know, we can flow in and out of that.
0: <laughs> it, it was somebody made made the, the uh, mistake of telling me that I had a, a relatively high IQ when I was in high you know one of those silly tests. And so that, that told me, well, you know, you've you got to use it. You're a real intellectual. And so every, everything I did from that point was an intellectual pursuit now. I'm feeding my mind. And so when I first started getting into the suttas, the biggest distraction I had was, 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 the most, was towards the most colorful writing because that, that allowed me to engage with it intellectually rather than what I was actually trying to learn, which was liberation. So the, you know, these crazy theories and uh, a lot of metaphor, wow, what is, what's the hidden meaning here? I was, and I get, I'm just distracting myself. Not because of what was reading, I was reading what I was reading because I believed I was an intellectual and had to. That it was like my job in the world to clearly define what everybody else who's corrupt in their thinking is defining. This is crazy. The Buddha taught something very simple. Here it is. Hey, So, thank you. Yeah, thank you, John. Hello, Ron.
7: Hello. Um, yeah, this. Let's uh, see, good um, second chapter here. Uh, uh, what stood out for me was this this one of the last um, verses: "The wise looking down from the mountain top yeah. of wisdom." Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and. Especially this last part. This peaceful sage observes the foolish and suffering multitude, and he's just there, dispassionately looking at the world, yeah. not getting entangled. Um, <clears throat> and for me, it's it's always when I see that my passion is aroused when I'm when I'm looking at something that I get careful, because uh, yeah. here I am not dispassionate. So at this point, there's something lacking in my mindfulness.
0: Uh, and, and well, I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I Let me interrupt you. I don't know that I would agree on that. The, the Buddha shows plenty of real emotion when he's 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 dealing with this is the Dhamma, as opposed right. to what people are insisting mm-hmm. on holding in mind. Right. And it does take a certain amount of passion <coughs> to do that. Mm-hmm. Instead, of, and mm-hmm. the opposite would be kind of a, just a. Um, a, a, a disinterested disjointed well I don't, you know, okay think what you want to think well the Buddha would do that when he was just walking down the street and notices people in, engaging in foolish behavior but when he was talking about the Dhamma, this is what it is and it's not that. Oh
7: yes, he was, he was very direct and, and, and very forceful in, in that um, but he wouldn't get carried away when he would observe you know the, the the suffering in the world and the, the self inflicted suffering in
0: the world he would see it as self inflicted suffering yeah.
7: uh, and,
0: and and would and sometimes he would he would exaggerate it to make the point the world is a flame a flame yeah. with what the mm-hmm. fire is a passion yeah. so to me that's a pretty passionate statement for me to, i mean it, i i would say the same thing i think people would see it as passionate that hmm. yes the world look at the world right now it's a flame a flame with what it's a flame with the fires of your passion that's a pretty passionate statement, isn't it? And it, right. it, it rises from the Dhamma.
7: Yeah.
0: The, the Dhamma doesn't teach us, that, again, it doesn't teach us to be this, to, to have a, uh, use a common word, an equitable emotion. It teaches us to be deeply engaged in each moment that arises. And when we're engaged in Dhamma practice, that's the most intimate and significant aspect of any of our lives mm-hmm. from the point of view of a Dhamma practitioner. Now, the person who Maybe sitting across of you might not be quite as passionate as you are, and would, you know, look at it differently on on that. So, okay. especially yeah. someone who wants to maintain every view in the world as a right view, you know, which is really what's the most common thing today.
7: Yeah, actually, most views in the world are wrong views. <laughs> yeah, you know, in in from from the perspective of the Dharma. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
7: it also implies
1: that as a human, the Buddha never got angry, or. He Nobody did it for a point. He, made well, a, he was making a point, just like it, Jesus flipped over the tables in the market yeah, of the supposedly. Yeah, supposedly, it didn't mean that he was any less aware or awakened. It's it, it, he's a human that is awakened, but for a
0: point, he will. You know, yeah, we're talking about something here. It's kind of coalescing. I've always wondered why did why do people so object to to the Buddha's straightforward determination? Because I, this isn't the first mm-hmm. time I hear about this. that, And I, I finally realized that people think that any so-called spiritual leader should be just a blob of nothingness, expressing you know, whatever it might be, holiness or piousness. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the Buddha, and again, here's the passion arising. he got up off his cushion every day of his life until the day he dropped dead and went out and talked about the Dhamma in a passionate way. And that was, <clears throat> that's what he did. And he
1: chose to do it. He could have gone into w- the woods and be by himself. He wanted
0: to. That was his. That was his. He 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 tried to convince himself just post his awakening. Wait a minute. This is gonna be, this is gonna be a pain in the ass if I try to do this. And he, <laughs> and he and he and he talked himself into he's saying, well wait a minute. If there's if there's just a few people with a little speck of dust in there. Mm-hmm. I mean th- I, that brings tears to my eyes just mm-hmm. thinking about it. This guy knew better and yet he he, he jumped back mm-hmm. into it. Because, he was—he what I mean is, he was completely disentangled from the world at that point, wasn't he? And he could have spent the rest of his life in bliss sitting under the pipel tree. And he said, wait a minute. I have a human passion in here to show other people what I found. And so he got up off his cushion, walked into town every day, and confronted people that say, you're full of crap.
2: Yeah, but but
4: I, want to oh, wait, be- I yeah, yeah, let me get back to <laughs> Ron because
0: he's let the one I interrupted. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. I I everyone
7: wanted to make a difference between uh, the forcefulness of the Buddha and and passionate engagement. Um, the the um, the anger that that your observation could bring up and. Uh, In who? In other people? In, if you, if you, no, if you would uh, get passionately engaged in the world, it will bring up passions in yourself.
0: <clears throat> yeah, so who's saying that we should be passionately engaged in the world? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not no. either. I don't right. think the Buddha is.
7: But this is where the, the, the uh, dispassionate observation of the world comes in, in place. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I'm not, making a, I'm not getting the point you're making. <laughs> what am I missing?
3: Is passion the right word here? Is passion the right word? Well, yeah, the passion
7: action. gets... gets uh, a, a, there, are, there are two sides to passion. <laughs>
0: you know, that, again, I think it's coming down to... the, the you know, It's in the eye of the observer. So what's passionate and what's determination? And mm-hmm. that's where we really get lost because now and we're what, getting into other people's heads yeah, instead of like, what, what is being yeah. done here what 's being presented maybe, and I, again i 'm not saying this is what 's occurring. Mm-hmm. It might be that there 's something about the person who 's teaching it that you really you don 't quite like and you wish they 'd be different, so now what they 're teaching and their way of doing it must be different because mm-hmm. I think that it should be different rather than this is what this is what 's being presented and again this this isn 't the, the, the Buddha wasn 't out to appease every single person that came across him, but he was passionate about teaching the Dhamma. And there were many times that the Buddha came across people that were trying to use their own intellectuality Mm. to maintain their fabrication. Even within the sangha, it came up.
7: Oh, sure.
0: This is how I really think it should be. Mm -hmm. Telling, telling this awakened human being, this is how I think it should be. Oh,
7: it must have been because
0: of because because this teacher said that, or I, Mm -hmm. you know, I saw this on a billboard on the side of a chariot. Right. You know, isn't you know, peace? (laughs) Okay. Well, how come? It because because he would say because the problem isn't on the chariot the problem's in your mind change the way you think which, which gets directly to people what they're holding in mind their ideology so it ha- that has to be addressed in that way and sometimes you have to you have as a Dhamma teacher you have to kind of be strong about it Michael you, did you have your hand up oh, Yes out? I did actually
3: uh, I don't you know uh, like great discussion what I think or. Or maybe I'll just throw this out there. I think... uh, I think the Buddha was probably more... The word here is conviction Mm, and belief. In he knows that what he is imparting is the truth. And he's imparting the truth to a lot of people. And there's a lot of, you know... So if he... uh, In order to emphasize his point and stay the course, conviction as opposed to like... I don't know, faith slamming his his yeah. uh, tablet on the table and mm-hmm. said you know listen to me i know what i'm talking about it's conviction in actual the, the actual mm. wisdom and knowledge that uh, that he uh had. Of the yeah yes. there's an
0: article on the website about the difference between faith and conviction we we mm-hmm. take to the Dhamma with conviction conviction means that i understand what this is and i understand it will give it give me what i want Faith is something completely different, isn't it? Faith would be that that Indra's gonna guide my you know that's that takes faith because it's not based in reality. The Buddha based this in reality. Come and see for yourself. And it's just that way too. Becky?
4: And the whole reason that he even awakened came from passionate compassion. Mm. Because I like that. that was his that was his passion. Yeah. His passion was to understand why people were suffering.
0: And he figured and that out And
4: that is why he even came up with the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Perhaps the most altruistic thought a human being ever had.
4: Right. Many have had
0: it, but but most didn't have the conviction to actually find it. To
4: actually find it. Yeah. To actually what Yeah. I mean so he was passionate. Yeah. Well, if we, want, if we want
3: to go one step further, then we can... Oh, okay, so wait, 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 we no, gotta, no, i got to no, stop. We different now different Now we're getting into an argument no, no, about no. defining a word, and that's really foolish is, this in this science, so we're not going to do it anymore. This will be clarity,
4: clarity, okay. <laughs> Or he was convict he had strong convictions. Skillful, skillful passion. Skillful passion okay, all right, again, I thank you,
3: Michael. We,
0: we, again, we, we, I'm not going to let this saga fall into, into debating words, because I think you all know what I mean when I say passion. Mm-hmm. That We know that there's such things as negative passion, and there's such thing as chanda, wise passion, rooted in the Dhamma. And we, we're really, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're... We, we're we can't do that in a, in a well-focused sangha. Start, start throwing words around and trying to define them. Because what we're doing is now defining words, saying this is really how I see the word passion. And so this is how you should be using it. Well, we all know what passion is in this context. We know what we're talking about. And I don't know if we need to go on any further about it. Hello, Jen.
2: Hi. Hi, everybody. Um, what came through... You know, it's always like boils. I. For, for whatever reason my my mind boils it down to like a cu- a couple words and a phrase just because,
4: because of your that, father. I
2: helpful. think it can like stay with me that way, especially when I have you know like a subtle insight recognition into my own mind uh, where the clinging and craving exists and just hearing the phrase you know an ignorant mind craves
4: mindlessness
2: you know just the word mindless again I'm sorry to get in continue on this idea of words but the word mindlessness within the context of the Dhamma means something different but just on the surface means no mind we're not having mind and it kind of means like for me if I'm in an ignorant place means not thinking kind of like a break, a break from all the, all the tense yeah. thinking that's going on. And that's kind of, and it's in an ignorant. The reason why it kind of struck me is because I realized it's like, that's an ignorant way of looking at what you're really after.
0: That's the word to use.
2: And so, and it kind of like, pointed out like the sort of the feedback loop in that like craving mindlessness really you're craving mindfulness i I don't like to use the word craving but really what's gonna what's gonna get you to what you're after is is the peace of mind is to be mindful which puts you in a completely different again here's some karma uh, puts you in a different direction of you know becoming mindful so mm. then you can experience the peace of a lack of, or cessation of tense a tense mind yeah
0: mm. it i guess just beautifully said Jen and it and it, it it you're you're defining and describing a refined mindfulness mm. just that
2: But there's still, like, all those things. I'm like, you know, get out of work. Your your brain's going nonstop. And you just, oh, man, I just want to, like, sit down on the couch and watch TV so that I can stop thinking. And it's like... Wow, that's just another thing you added to your list. Now I have to go watch TV. Now that has to be the thing that I do in order to, you know, and that just continues the garbage.
0: I would bet that's that's. I I I bet the the desire to get home and and veg out in front of the TV is less now than it used to be. Yes, and that's because you're taking care of the quality of your mind previous to that thought. Right, and I think you see that during the day, you've maintained your mindfulness. Mm -hmm. You didn't go mindless, so that. As the day progressed, you didn't need that immediate relief of vegging out in front of the TV. Yeah. You might still have, but I bet you, you, you sat and you meditated first before you vegged out a little yeah. bit. Both are good things, I think. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. <James. laughs> Hello, David. <coughs>
1: it, one of the pleasures in being here every week, every class, is you get to observe. Mm-hmm. You know, once in a while, in almost every class, you hear things. And a couple weeks ago Matt was sitting right here and you can see he was troubled. He was troubled and he sat here and described the tension. The tension in his body, his mind, and you can see as he was about to speak that he became mindful. Yeah. And he was describing mindlessness. And as Adam was saying his thoughts on mindlessness. You start putting things together, and that's the beauty of a sangha, because each person is speaking to where they're at. And yeah. as I sat here over there, where Jen is watching Matt, I Hi. saw him returning to mindfulness.
0: So the same thing.
1: And it was almost like it was almost uh, a little like, oh shoot, I, I'm watching this. This this could have been happening all by himself, but I was sitting there and it was like, he came to a peaceful understanding that he understood that he wanted something to be different than what it was. Yeah. And then as he was sitting here, he became mindful. So that's what I get out of this class every time I come yeah. here.
0: And all yeah, within yeah. the within a well-focused, well-informed sangha. I think if we were getting into, you know, tonight is poetry night, Matt would have never had that opportunity <laughs> to, to do that. I'm serious. You know? And Does it doesn't mean that poetry. Is not, I love poetry, but
1: no. I mean this is a very intellectual field of topics, and you can get caught up into it. But just look around, and you, you see people all of a sudden turn back to mindfulness.
0: Really, i we, and we talk about that all the time. Everybody here has talked about it. Mm-hmm. You know, when Tim started that this great discussion off by describing the the, the, the level of his. Refined mindfulness has developed to the point where we can see these things, mm-hmm. you know, and see them clearly. That—that's the whole point, you know, of being able to develop this right view. So, thank you. Um, I think it was Brian that came. Brian, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, I'm enjoying all the, uh, the debate. I guess to go to the uh, the rabbit hole that is
5: my mind. This 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 to me felt like a field guide for observing the zombie apocalypse. And, and just you
0: know, <laughs> as I. I <laughs> You know, but I, uh, yeah I, boy i had a good I, line I, that i'm not gonna hear yeah i
5: read this i read this the other day and I, I went for a walk in the park and just just seeing all the distraction and, and people on their phones and just they're not looking at the clouds they're not looking at the trees they're not enjoying the pond with the ducks and it, it's just it's sad right and it you know you, you just you come back i just come back to the mindfulness and i continue my walk and it's just this just really resonates, right? Because you can see it in real life every second of every day.
0: <clears throat> and, and nothing extraordinary was occurring except you were present for that moment of your life. And that made well, it meaningful. Absolutely. And that's absolutely. an expression of your own developing refined mindfulness because you're able to see it. it? Mm-hmm. You know? right. That's why we talk about it. It's, it's important to recognize where the Dhamma is developing because then the Dhamma becomes self-encouraging. Yeah. Thank absolutely. you so much, Brian. Thank you. Matteo, how are you? Oh, good. And, uh, okay, for, first of all, I pay my respects to all Americans for two days. So. Thank you, and, uh, Very yeah. thoughtful.
7: Yeah. It's like a, there was like 225 Italian citizens who were involved in that yeah.
6: day, so yeah. you know the feeling.
0: Yeah, well, it was and, certainly international.
6: Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, so, so I, about the Sudan, it's like,
7: just come up my mind that's of mindfulness is like uh, so everything that we experience through our mind is 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 very powerful. You no, know? it's a it's a powerful act, but 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 we know control
5: is nothing. You no, know? it disappears. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and you know, it's a, it, it's a, I'm sorry, I I didn't want to cut you off, Mateo.
7: That was my short
0: thought about this. Yeah, but you're right. We're we, we're simply not here anymore. Where are we? Well, it's because our minds are not in our body. If we're not present for our life, that you know, the essence of that is jhana that we establish in meditation and take off our cushion into our moment by moment life. I'm glad you joined us, Matteo. Mary, how are you? Are you there, Mary? Hi. yeah, oh, I'm there. Oh, there
4: you are. <laughs> How are you? To get I'm good. How are you, John? I'm
0: good. Thanks for asking.
4: Good, good. Well, the conversation has been so delightful. Each time I thought, okay, what Jen said. Okay, what Jen's mom said. Okay, what, you know, Tim said. Uh, you know, everybody has said so many good things. Um, that I, I really don't have anything to add except my gratitude for everything that everybody has said, so thank you. Yeah,
0: that was well said, Mary, thank too. So, yeah, I mean, it is... It, you know, I, 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 I've been doing it since I started teaching, When I, and it's just kind of... A, I go home and I think about the class, and I think about what people said, and ever, I'm always remarked... That's not the right word, is it? Mm-hmm. It's always remarkable <laughs> to me what people are saying, and every yeah. one of you. I... I and, it, it's been years since I left class shaking my head. It happened a few times many years ago, wondering what. But be, and what I'm the point is that we have become such a well focused, well informed sangha, and we maintain it, and it works. So. Um,
4: Can I just say one? I listened. I listened to a tape of several years ago, and it was really interesting to actually see how far the sangha has come based on the kinds
0: of comments and things that were made several years ago on that tape. It was really interesting. I, I do that every now and then. Cause I I yeah, I, I, I can go yeah. back five, six years yeah. and it's remarkable.
4: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah,
0: And I can tell you, I'm still the, the greatest, mm-hmm. most brilliant teacher five, six years
2: ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the, <laughs> <where> the, <laughs> That's that is that's, that's permanent. That's permanent. That's permanent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I when you listen to uh, you, I, I should talk about this. Okay? You listen to the tapes from five, six, seven years ago. You do realize that there's a learning curve to being a teacher too. Yes. Oh. And and I'm, I am so I, I consider myself so fortunate to have had this opportunity. I never would have learned the, the the incredible tapestry of the Dhamma without teaching it. I had a, a pretty good focus that was working for me. Long before I started teaching, but there's nothing like it. And so we have three teachers here and two other ones. Matteo is in teachers training, and there's two folks in London too. And there's nothing like it. So uh, thank you all. You know, I, I couldn't have done it without you. Gotcha. Um, we'll finish with Meta as we always do. Find it. Oh, it just I think everybody knows about our retreat. If you're coming, uh, just please send me an email. Uh, except the teachers don't because I expect them.
7: They better be here. That's
0: that. But no, that's not it. What's, what does it right to say? Wise teacher. Wise. Yes, wise <laughs> uh, The Buddha's words on Metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. So again, just become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath. Unite your mind and your body and establish liberty in this moment. The Buddha's words. Even as a mother protects with her life her child her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upward to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views,